With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, Health HealthLock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Hi, hello there. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am that host of yours, the one who wants to stir the pot with truth and knowledge. Because isn't that fun? I'm Liv. <laughs> Today, I'm here with another wonderful and fun conversation episode. This week, I spoke with Caribbean scholar and writer Princess Oneika Auguste, who has a master's in biblical studies and a passion for Greek mythology. Princess combines all of this badass ancient knowledge to spread fascinating facts about it all. As someone who has absolutely no grounding in anything biblical, like truly almost a complete lack of knowledge in that history, I was thrilled to speak with Princess. I mean, we don't really talk about that at all, actually, but still, it's really interesting. Instead, we talk about the world of Greek myth, their interactions with people from what is now modern Africa and Asia, and the general whitewashing of history and mythology, of course. We talk a lot about pop culture, representations of mythology, and history too. It was super fun. Now, we do play it a little fast and loose with using modern uh, region names because that's just kind of the easiest way to do it when you're trying to describe where you're talking about. But just remember, all of that is modern, just like even the notion of whiteness and blackness is a modern construct. Of course, it's very relevant for what we're talking about, so we also do, you know, discuss all of that very broadly. And another note is that we recorded this a while back, like in December, maybe. So you will hear moments where I've clearly not researched people like Memnon and Greek myths of Africa, because, well, I hadn't yet. And you might hear Princess's adorable baby kitten meowing at some points. But I mean, who can complain about a baby kitten? Otherwise, sit back and enjoy. We had such a fun and great conversation.
conversations, black Achilles, African queens, and whitewashing of Greek myth with Princess Onika Auguste. What do you study generally? New Testament Bible. I wanted to go into the classics, but in St. Lucia, the high schools don't do Latin and Greek. And so when I was going to university, a lot of universities want you to have that high school Latin and Greek. It didn't happen. So I'm trying to combine the two because even like when you read the New Testament, you, you do see some of the stuff that was going on in Greece, it's, you know that Paul was going into Corinth and these places to convert the people mm-hmm. from worshiping Artemis and Zeus. So you can still see the, you know, because the, the New Testament was written around that time. So yeah, yeah, they're so connected for sure. But I'm thrilled to talk about like I mean I guess we just want to co- like cover people of color in Greek myth and definitely the whitewashing of it of it because. It really is such a huge thing. Like I'm I'm constantly kind of trying to do things like that, but it is so hard to just because like even the you know, the way the Greek myths are told often is sort of like just leaves out the other regions that everyone came from. But obviously so many people in Greek myth were very explicitly from Africa and the Middle East and sort of everywhere. So Perseus and Andromeda, I think, are some of the, yeah, definitely some of like the most obvious and the most egregious because Andromeda is not only from Ethiopia, but I actually learned that according to some sources, like she's from Ethiopia, but she's also um, from Phoenicia originally. And then they like founded a, a city in Ethiopia or like, you know, ancient Ethiopia, which I don't actually know where in Africa it corresponds to because they definitely had broad swaths that are not, you know, the modern countries. Um, I was reading something from Herodotus and then some scholars were saying that when he was referring to Ethiopia, he was also referring to um, Sub-Sahara. Yeah, that makes sense because even, you know, they called, I mean, they had Egypt, obviously, but of course that too, like they have sort of a timeline in Greek mythology for when it took the name Egypt because they like to make it a Greek guy named Egypt, Egypt. Um, but, but it's interesting because they call, yeah, much of North Africa, they just call it Libya yeah. um, as to sort of like refer to the whole of the region. So it's kind of hard to track where, but obviously it's like, regardless, it's Africa. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then the fact is that Andronima has been, when you see her in paintings and stuff, she's white. But if mm-hmm. you're talking about Ethiopian princess, whether it's Ethiopia, the modern country, or whether it's Ethiopia and sub-Sahara Africa, she's going to be brown or black. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily saying the Greeks are the ones that, ancient Greeks are not necessarily the ones that are whitewashing. It's modern day mm-hmm. people who are painting and writing about these ancient Greek because you know it falls into the white supremacy thing that Greek and Rome were white mm-hmm. exactly yeah in air quotes white yeah <laughs> I I was just having a, I, some weeks ago I was having an argument with some guy on Twitter <laughs> and he on some boy's page I can't remember who's um Twitter page. I'm. I was. I'm not sure. It wasn't yours, but it was somebody else. And then he was saying that, oh, but Greek, Greece, and Rome were white. And I'm saying that it's it's problematic to say Greece and Rome were white because first, Greece, Greek cities extended not only in Europe but also into um Asia and Africa. And then you have Greek. Um, a lot of the Greek gods came from this pl- these places in Asia or Africa. And then you have um, the Roman Empire. They interacted with um, black people. The, you know, the, the Romans had a five-year war with <laughs> the, the 
Kush. They had a five-year mm-hmm. war with Kush. And the Carthaginians, they had wars with the Carthaginians. And their people were going into Greek and Roman cities at freely because, again, Rome and Greece did not extend to Rome and Greece. It extended mm-hmm. to, in, in the case of the Roman Empire, extended all the way to Germany and then oh, England. <laughs> oh, and in, the, in Asia, it, they, Alexander the Great went into India. Mm-hmm. So, how can you yeah. say that? And he had his soldiers marry into those Iranian Indian women. Mm-hmm. So, how can you say that the Romans and Greeks were a white country? And even then, even then, when you think of Rome and Greece, it's they're not the typical whiteness people because mm-hmm. even when you bring even in our modern time early modern history italians and greeks were not considered white in the united states mm-hmm. until recently mm-hmm. yeah that's so true I, I mean and i think like you said at the beginning it all comes down to white supremacy and just this idea of the big problematic idea of like quote-unquote western civilization right this idea that like the west brought everything good and beautiful and wonderful and then you know very recently this like level of whiteness this like imposed whiteness you know has been put upon ancient greece and ancient rome when in fact exactly like you're saying you know they were spread across the whole of the region and they didn't have any kind of concept of whiteness or blackness or color skin color being an issue like they had xenophobia like they were not great but it wasn't about what skin color you had it was more about like where you were from and what language you spoke and you know and the where you were from was more connected to what language you spoke like if you were from africa but you spoke greek and you were brought up greek then you were greek yeah you know, it, it it did not matter about, yeah, what, what you look like or anything. And then in order to perpetuate this idea that, that the Western world, you know, invented everything great and good and wonderful, and then therefore to continue on with like the white supremacist idea is just the nature of putting whiteness upon these people after the fact, as if as if they've always been had this like whiteness attached to them. Because then if you there, I've encountered other issues similar where I've then explained that point about whiteness being put upon them later and then people will still come at me and yell and like be like well but you know greece and rome aren't white and i'm like i know that's like literally what i'm saying (laughs) but because it's the way the the way people sort of attach themselves to this idea like for either side of it and then sort of i don't know they get they tend to jump down your throat on the internet no matter what because the internet's not a great place for like nuance and like detailed discussions i tried to do this in an instagram reel where i talked about that and i was like oh no it turns out 60 seconds is not enough time to explain this issue without people screaming at you <laughs> yeah maybe do a tiktok <laughs> yeah you got three minutes in tiktok now exactly lots more time <laughs> yeah yeah and then yeah, i they didn't really have an issue of racial the way we know it but there was a lot of ethnic Ethnocentrism, mm-hmm. and you—I mean—you can be a black man, and you speaking Greek or Latin, you were Roman or Greek. But if you weren't assimilated to Greek or Roman culture, you were barbarian, or you were not—you were what? You were just trash. Yeah, yeah. And the, the thing about it, they. White supremacists and others and their allies like to say that the Western, the Greeks, the Western world invented everything. But if they understood, if they do their history and their research, you know, the, the Greeks and the Romans borrowed a lot from Asia and um, Africa. Africa as well, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the Mesopotamians were there basically first doing everything, you know, inventing a lot of the stuff that the Greeks then get credit for. And similarly, Egypt, you know, both Mesopotamia and Egypt were highly advanced before Greece and Rome. 
And yet this idea is that ancient Greece and Rome were sort of the foundations of our society today, which, of course, yeah, is inherently linked to, you know, Western supremacy, if not outright white supremacy. And the problem with all of it, too, is that it's so under the surface, like it's not people, it's not always people who are explicitly white supremacists, like who perpetuate this idea. It's people who have this, that ingrained white supremacy, right? That's like built in, especially if you grew up in North America, and I think in the UK as well. It's, it's really like ingrained into you, this idea of Western supremacy western you know everything but you don't necessarily know that's what you're believing until you kind of really break it down and and look at the problematic nature of all of it you know and and think about who did actually invent these things and why do we think that it is other people that invented them like why you know because all of that is connected with this idea of you know the the greatness of the west and therefore the greatness of whiteness even though of course like you know, if you even dive into that, it's like, well, the West isn't even particularly white generally, but it's just the, you know, the white nations that have sort of overtaken everything. And also, even when you talk about um, Greek and Rome, when you, the, uh, the Renaissance, when we have the Renaissance, the reason of your Greece and Rome, the mm. Arabs, the Arabs had saved a lot of the ancient Greek and Rome texts, Roman texts before, um, the Renaissance. So people like to say that the Renaissance in Europe was the how, how the world rediscovered ancient Greek and Roman, but actually the Arabs actually saved a lot of those texts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And they yeah rarely get any kind of credit for it. Absolutely. Another thing I realized, too, remember Troy, the fall of the a city that died mm-hmm. Netflix? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't bad per se. I, I haven't seen it all. I'll admit, I haven't seen it all. I don't know. It, it it didn't. It was. It didn't really like you know like Brad Pitt's Troy and the other um movies and series based on the Trojan War. It was actually to me for me. It was actually closer to the actual story than all the previous other mm-hmm. um, incarnations. But when people saw there was a black Zeus, they were like people. There was backlash against. Yes, yeah, there was backlash against the against the series because it wasn't all that good. But mm-hmm. there was backlash when they when they saw a black Zeus and a black Achilles. Right? I can't remember. I haven't seen it in a while. So, but mm-hmm. um, but a few of the main characters were black. Mm-hmm. Or people of color. Yeah, which is of course accurate because then when you get to Brad Pitt's Troy and everything, you know, everyone is super white for the fact that they're like fighting in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Like Troy is in Turkey, you know. The the idea that Orlando Bloom is just hanging out being a Trojan is pretty ridiculous. You know, not to mention all of the so called Greek characters are also, you know, much whiter British people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's a, well, and I guess Americans too with Brad Pitt. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it that's the thing, right? It's, you know, pop culture really perpetuates that as well. Um, going back to and- Andromeda, uh, there is the the sequel, or no, I guess it's both of them. You know, both the um, Clash of the Titans movies, the more recent ones, yeah. have Andromeda as this, like, lily white woman. And there's, of course, no mention that he's saving her from an Ethiopian island where she is a princess. Or not island, but Ethiopian kingdom where she is a princess. And and Andromeda as well, you know, she, in the in the actual mythology, she is the mother of, like, everyone. Like, she, the, she and Perseus basically start most of what becomes like all of the Greek mythological characters and heroes. And so, yeah, the idea that she was, you know, either straight up Ethiopian or like a Phoenician who came to Ethiopia, like either way, she's from either, you know, the Levant, the Middle East, or just Africa. And it's just a fascinating thing to see how white she has been portrayed in in everything. And the the fact that Ephrodite, if... We take no. She has. We know Ephrodite has two birth narratives. Mm-hmm. He's the daughter of 
to San Diego, and then she comes from the sea and from Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Cyprus is is near Turkey. Um, I know Greece and and Turkey had this we had this big thing with Cyprus, but Cyprus is near Turkey, and she's not going to be a lily white goddess. Mm-hmm. Well, and even you know if you take her origins from a historical standpoint too like she comes from the east you know there's a lot of connections that can be made between her and i always forget the names of the other goddesses because there's a few but goddesses from the east that you know eastern people then traveled to greece and the greeks created the notion of, of aphrodite based on that and similarly with egyptian goddesses too right all of the you know everyone was so interconnected back then across the mediterranean that so many of the Greek and Roman gods come from these ideas from the East. Even Dionysus, they make him really obviously from the East, but they also wanted to make him Greek. So they're like, okay, he's born in Greece, but then he traveled the East and then he came back to Greece. And it's like, okay, like at least they're, you know, they're they're making these connections to the East, even if they still want to make him explicitly Greek. So it's fascinating to see the ways even, you know, the ancient Greeks weren't doing it from a skin color point of view. They were doing it from a Greek point of view. They were like, these people are Greek, but also they kind of came from the East and we got our ideas from them. You know, it's really, it's interesting to see the differences. Yep. 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 I think Ishtar is one of those goddesses that Aphrodite is like people from that area merges um, Aphrodite with Ishtar. But even the gods of Egypt, Isis is lily white like in in you mean in like pop culture or in yeah absolutely well even there was that gods of egypt movie which i mean i did not see because it looked so bad but everyone is incredibly white yeah except um oh what's his name oh yeah yeah the god of wisdom at least the god of wisdom was black yeah (laughs) so (laughs) yeah who played him do you remember i remember I didn't know. I haven't seen that movie in years because it was trash. Yeah, yeah. That was. I saw the trailer and I was like, this is bad. I'm not going to watch this. It looks very bad. <sighs> yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, um, of course, you know, we have Troy's obviously in Turkey. And then, you know, Phoenicia is the other big um, ancient civilization that is in a lot of, of Greek myths and that sort of modern Le- Lebanon area. And even the Greeks sort of attributed uh, the Phoenician alphabet with with their invention of the Greek alphabet, you know, and it's interesting the way that is often forgotten. But even in their mythology, they have, you know, their Phoenician hero Cadmus Mm -hmm. bringing over the alphabet. And that was their way of understanding that the Phoenician alphabet did intensely influence the creation of the Greek alphabet. And, you know, yeah, the, the connections are so obvious in the ancient world that it's it's often like kind of mind-boggling when you look at how much that's been forgotten or ignored or whitewashed in the modern world yes it has a lot of the stuff has been whitewashed i mean i mean troy of all of as much as that the plot line was horrible troy try troy of all of us tried to show how diverse Greek, the Greeks were and Greek mythology was, and you know they tried to do that. And I think if they had a better script, <laughs> <laughs> it would have plot wise, it wouldn't have received all that backlash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm thinking I should revisit it. For me, what was so distracting was the really regional British accents, <laughs> and I was just like, "This is this is really distracting." And then thinking, not necessarily mythology, but thinking with Alexander, with Angelina mm-hmm. and Julina. Well, who was Alexander? I forgot his name. Whoever was that? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. And, his, and at least Roxana was a person of color. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that movie was a little better with it because they kind of had to be, like they were forced to be because they had to show Alexander going into Persia. And it's like, if you are calling a place Persia, you're going in there. Like, if you don't have people of color in there, like, you're making a really obvious mistake, you know? So I almost feel like they were forced into it just by the region alone. Whereas in Greek mythology, they're able to not mention the regions or make it this, like, mythological ideal, like in, you know, Clash of the Titans and things like that. Yeah. 
like you said, Phoenicia uh, um, is one of the places named a lot in Greek mythology. Ethiopia, Libya. Yeah. I'm. It's probably some some someone else, somewhere else, but. I mean, yeah, in the mythology, I think it's mostly those regions because they, com- they, um, you know, basically span such large swaths of land. Like, you know, when you're when you're reading the myth, it's kind of difficult to tell what the difference was between their ancient versions of Ethiopia and Libya, um, because both kind of signified huge portions of Africa, at least in the mythology. Yeah. And interestingly, I feel like Egypt doesn't actually appear in their mythology all that much. Like it does. But not all that much. <laughs> no, exactly. Which is interesting. Like, and even, you know, just to, to bring it back to the, the way the Greeks, you know, tried to, they, I won't use the term whitewashing because that's not what they were doing, but they were like kind of Greek washing a lot of things in their mythology. Like they have the, the idea that Io, you know, this, um, woman from Argos that you know the Peloponnese generally traveled all through Greece and then the east and then she traveled down to Egypt and then they have her founding the Egyptian people and becoming Isis which is a really interesting thing and it's kind of their way of being like well we saw we know the Egyptians were super cool and advanced and like super you know highly respected and so let's come up with a myth to make them technically Greek (laughs) yeah and don't forget the pig, the pygmies in Greek mythology. Hmm. They were a tribe of African men. <laughs> oh, and I'm not familiar with them. I think Hera took one of the queens into something. Oh. Well, let me Google. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce this um, Greek name. <laughs> it's O-E-N-O-E. And she is a pygmy woman. Mm. And she was changed by Hera into a crane, a crane because of her impiety. Yeah. Hera also made the pygmies start a war against crane. Oh my god! Yes, yes, yes. Whoa! Yes. So, the Egyptian, the Greeks had a lot of myths about Africa and Phoenicia and. And Libya, and don't forget um um the goddess of dawn's son who fought in the Trojan War. I can't remember his name, but he was yeah. the Ethiopian king. I have to read that. Oh, is it Memnon? Yeah, yeah Memnon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they even you know even did he fight on the side of Troy? Then his father was um a Trojan prince, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so interesting the way I mean, of of course, in the Iliad is a great example because you have like the catalog of ships and which, you know, is mostly the Greeks, but they did have kind of the equivalent on the side of the Trojans where they were like, these people were from here and these were from here. And Troy really did kind of pull from, you know, Africa and the whole Middle East with people to help them, including, you know, the Amazons who are from kind of modern Georgia area. But the, you know, the Amazons were a really interesting group as well, coming in to help sort of from the East generally. Now, Carthage is a really interesting one to me, and it's not, doesn't come into Greek, you know, mythology all that much, but I always find it kind of, I suppose I find it extra dark, like it's, it's different than what the Greeks did to try to try to like influence or to put Greekness upon different regions, because Rome, meanwhile, you know, they had had these wars with the Carthaginians the all the punic wars and completely destroyed this region and then put dido you know the queen of carthage into the aeneid as this like fallen woman who had to kill herself because of aeneas and to me it's just so much darker that you know they had completely burned this city to the ground and then they like it's almost like they went and spat on the grave of carthage by putting Dido in this position. Whereas Dido in, you know, the Carthaginian mythology, the mythology of Phoenicia, we don't have a lot on her, but like would have been this completely badass queen. Like she founded Carthage all by herself. And that alone is so incredible. And then Rome just goes and like completely destroys her name in the Aeneid. But I think Rome 
Rome likes to destroy. They don't like women. I mean, the Greeks yeah. didn't like women either, but, <laughs> no. <laughs> but the Romans particularly didn't like powerful Eastern women. Yeah. And you're right. The Rome just liked to destroy. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. They destroy everybody. They, they didn't like women. Look what they did to Bulika. She was uh, oh. this queen that that the Romans, she fought against the Romans and they... they yeah. They, they, and we don't have much information except what the Romans said about her. Yeah, and they said a lot of bad things about her. Absolutely. And then we have Cleopatra, um, who is villainized um, by the Romans. Um, but it's a good thing that the Egyptians write everything down. <laughs> so you, you don't always have you don't have you don't have only the Roman account of what happened with Cleopatra. You have the Egyptian side. Yeah, that's so true. I've never thought of it that way. That like the reason we kind of know more about the truth is that, you know, and she was Cleopatra so interesting because, you know, she was the last pharaoh of Egypt. So she was like Egyptian, but she also came from a Greek dynasty in Egypt from. So she was like a colonizer. But also, I think we want to make her Egyptian in this more powerful way in order to kind of, you know, get back at the Romans. So it's it's an interesting dynamic with her because she was explicitly from like a colonizing dynasty you know of the ptolemies in egypt but also she fought against rome in this way that you want to love yeah and but she was the first uh, of that dynasty to speak egyptian Mm, that's true yeah that's the thing she seemed to really care about egypt absolutely like i don't think you know, I, I think she, as far as the Ptolemies go, was probably one of their better rulers of Egypt. And I think, too, on, with her on both sides, she, there's a lot of whitewashing of, of her and on pop culture, but there's also that extreme, on the opposite side, that Cleopatra is black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, and we don't actually know her parentage, so it's tough to say what she would have looked like in terms of skin color, because we have these depictions of her but not colored yeah like not you know we don't know her skin color because she was on like coins and things like that because yeah we know her who her father is but we don't know mm-hmm. who her mother is exactly we do know that she and her sister did not have the same mother oh do we that's interesting that's interesting yeah they didn't have the same mother so everybody's saying that maybe cleopatra's mother was Ptolemy's wife her sister and her sister's mother was one of his concubines. Mm-hmm. But we don't know because we don't know for sure what Cleopatra looked like. And mm-hmm. when they're talking about, oh, Caesar fell in love with her beauty, he, it wasn't beauty. It was the fact she could speak so many languages and she was intellectual and all that kind of thing. Yeah, she was just impressive. She was like super smart, super impressive. I think she was just like this force, you know, like, I mean, people want to say she's beautiful, but what we really do know about her is just that she was incredible as a human and as a woman and a leader. And I think, yeah, I mean, why would that not be attractive to somebody like Caesar or Mark Antony? Although I I think Caesar treated her more as an equal than Mark Antony. That's my opinion. You think so? Interesting. Interesting. I don't know enough about their relationship, but... I always kind of liked the Mark Antony one from what little I know. From what knowing from the Mark Antony one was more about sex and even when mm. you read it, even when you read, um, when you get away from the Roman version, you go into their relationship historically. More about money, sex, flaunting stuff. They did a lot of flaunting their money and everything yeah. like that. <laughs> so that was, but Caesar and her were more of a political, they were more about politics and trying to make their own dynasty or whatever so mm-hmm. so that's why i say i feel like caesar's relationship with cleopatra was the one of equals one of intellectual equal one of political equals while her with mark Antony was of good luck <laughs> yeah just like showing off and yeah <laughs> that's interesting yeah i um 
I had uh, the women from the Partial Historians podcast last year come on and talk about Cleopatra, and that was really fascinating because I've never gotten into that history. Uh, my my love of the ancient world is pretty specifically in like archaic and classical period, and then everything beyond I'm not particularly familiar with. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, Health HealthLock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. interesting though how we how the people now like to whitewash Greek and Rome and forget about the East but Christianity and Eastern religion overtook that area mm-hmm. came from the East well it's I mean it's so similar to like the whitewashing of Jesus right this idea that jesus was this white guy you're like where do you think he was from like he's not (laughs) yeah no there's no way he was what we would consider now to be white and that's the interesting thing too right like all of this stems from the much more modern idea of whiteness and blackness and you know everything that whereas back then again like they wouldn't have thought anything of it it wasn't about that and and that's what's so interesting too and i think this sort of comes back to or it connects with them the way that uh statuary from the ancient world has contributed to this idea right because all of the statues we have now like today they look very white simply because marble is white Mm -hmm. but they would have all been painted and so back then they would have much more obviously shown people's real characteristics and you know their skin tone and you know it it would have shown so much more of their 
their character. And I think that if we had the color, the polychromy left on all these statues, it would be a very different discussion. And I, I wonder how easy it would have been to whitewash all of this if if we still had that, you know? How easy, I also wonder how easy it would be to um, consider Greeks and Italians as whites in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah, absolutely. Because like all of it would just be really different because I mean, and and like you said earlier too, that that is also new as well. And it comes from a place of power. It doesn't come from a place of skin color because all of it comes from a place of wanting to retain power and just like wanting to keep marginalized people down. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's like, it's obvious it's so dark and <laughs> fucked up. But it is when you really like dive into where it all comes from and why and how it got like this, it really is like darkly fascinating to consider how this went from, you know, a world of ancient Greece and Rome, which were like we're saying, you know, full of immigrants, people traveled the whole of the Mediterranean, they interacted with each other, they moved around, they, you know, they fought wars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they fought wars and then they had peacetime traveling. Well, it probably wasn't, you know, really anything like official peacetime, but people did move around. And, you know, there were there were Greeks in Africa and there were Greeks in the Middle East and there were Africans in Greece. And, you know, really everyone was kind of everywhere. And it was just the idea now that that is so foreign when you look at at pop culture representations primarily, but also you know, beyond pop culture and more so into the realm of just the way people talk about it and this inherent like whiteness that has been put upon it since then and in an attempt to to just ru- like raise up the Greeks and Romans above everyone else. It's it's yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's bad, but it's just like it fascinates me, too, because it is so it just it seems so baffling how how it could get to this point, you know. But here's my thing. I always wonder why the classics always is always about Greek. And room when there are other ancient cultures in around neighbors are around the same time mm-hmm. that are writing and have the old mythology and interacting with the Greeks and the Romans, whether yeah. it's yeah. through war or peacetime or trading, whatever they're interacting they're around the same time. So, are you saying that classics are are they saying that oh because they think the Greeks and the Romans were white? that the classes should be about these so-called white <laughs> nations. I always wondered about that because then you have the ancient Ethiopia, ancient Nubia, you know, mm. they, they, Rome fought five year, a five-year war mm. with them. Why couldn't they be included in the classic? Why can't Egypt be included? Well, I know Egypt has its own feel, but... Of course, but Egypt has its own field almost because of it. It seems to me it's a a large part because of the way that uh, white, particularly like uh, British, you know, early like quote unquote archaeologists went and like quote unquote discovered Egypt, right? Like Egypt then also had a similar whitewashing, but not so much on the people as the the archaeology. I guess you know you have these those you just picture that like iconically british sort of colonial outfit right and like standing over a tomb they've discovered so egypt has this other weird kind of whitewashing involved with it that is yeah like more so about the discovery which is not a discovery of anything like it was already there no you didn't discover it but like the way that yeah british people have like you know in you know the last 200 years 300 years really come in and kind of taken over the archaeology of it all. So it's sort of a different level of it. But I think, you know, it's really important what you're saying about classics. And it is all connected to the same problem, right? Like the reason why, quote unquote, classics basically only includes ancient Greece and ancient Rome is the same Western civilization, Western supremacy, all of that is interconnected. Whereas now, thankfully, a lot of... um, a lot of universities or a lot of people at least are talking about 
for like you know imparting this on universities and calling it ancient mediterranean studies and making sure that it does include the whole of the ancient mediterranean because exactly they're all interconnected and it's vital that we consider them interconnected because you can't fully understand ancient greece without looking at the whole of the ancient mediterranean you know because they were so you know interconnected with all these people and so yeah like i think there is a bit of a movement at least in the right you know like the the more progressive circles to address that and change it and you know or at the very least if you're not going to change what the program is at least name it correctly like it the university here in victoria i it, it they call it greek and roman studies which i don't necessarily think is good like you should definitely you know have it expanded to the whole of mediterranean but at least they're calling it greek and roman studies they're not calling it classics yeah. Yeah, whereas my degree was classics and we had a couple Egyptian offerings, but otherwise, yeah, it was all Greece and Rome, just called the classics, classical civilizations. And it's definitely, you know, it, it, it really adds to the problem and it perpetuates this idea and it just keeps going and going and going. This idea that Greece and Rome were special, that they were more important, that they did more, all of these things that are inherently tied to whiteness and white supremacy and Western supremacy. Yeah. And I was telling him when I was having the argument with the guy on Twitter, I was telling him, dude, you can't like say that Rome and Greece were white and they didn't interact much with other people. They didn't really know other people of different colors. Hey, there are rumors of Roman legions in China. When that went to China, there are rumors that there, that one of the lost legions of Rome, of Rome ended up in China. So... Yeah, there's no definite proof, but that. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, but you're right. They really did travel everywhere. Like it, it. Yeah, it's just so inherently flawed, and it's so inherently racist to suggest that they were in this little bubble of themselves, just like hanging out, being super, you know, innovative and progressive all by themselves. Like it's, yeah, it's inherently racist. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Greeks and the Romans were not all that great especially the romans but <laughs> yeah really <laughs> that's why i love greece yeah they they i mean yeah they, they didn't like anything that was in greek or roman but it had nothing to really to do with your skin color is basically mm -hmm. if you didn't assimilate to roman or greek culture if you were not speaking greek or latin yeah exactly like i never want these kind of discussions to suggest that that the Greeks and the Romans were like all lovey-dovey with the whole of the Mediterranean or the, you know, with everyone. It, they really were like, they had their own deep seated xenophobia. It's just that it wasn't based on your skin color. So that part is kind of out, but yeah, exactly. Like if, I mean, Rome specifically, like I, again, I don't know as much about Rome, but I, you know, they were certainly particularly shitty to other people and just conquering the hell out of everybody. But Greece, it was really all about like, did you speak Greek? Do you do you speak Greek? Were you from like a Greek town? Then you're okay. But and it doesn't matter what you look like. But if you're not, if you don't speak Greek, yeah, you're a barbarian, right? Like the word barbarian comes from just like not speaking Greek. Yeah. And then we we now use it as a horrible term to describe like a very specific type of person that is then inherently racist because it's literally comes from just you don't speak Greek. You're a barbarian. Basically. You could have been white. It could be as white as Lily, and if you didn't speak Greek. Yeah, you're a barbarian. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, right? And those things get have gotten so lost over time. And as, you know, white nations have built up this, like, increasing power of Western supremacy and white supremacy. And then all of that gets lost into what we think the word barbarian means. It's one of my favorite fun facts that I learned in university, the origin of the word barbarian. And it's sort of been my like go-to forever because I think it's so fascinating, just essentially coming from the sound they described people not speaking Greek made like bar, 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 you're not speaking Greek, you're a barbarian. And it's just it, the way it, it that word has, has evolved is dark and disturbing, but also fascinating in all of those ways where it is dark and disturbing. Yeah, and the Romans enslaved everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Equal. Equal labor. <laughs> yeah. They were like equal opportunity enslavers. Absolutely. Yeah. Equal opportunity yeah, yeah. conquerors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, too. That's a that's a really good point, because I, I think it also often gets kind of lost. Um, you know, people talk all about the Egyptians 
enslaving people and that like false false idea that enslaved people built the pyramids which is not true um but also but people tend to then completely gloss over the fact that ancient Greece also had enslaved people. I do think it's pretty obvious because of things like Gladiator that Rome had enslaved people at least. Like, I guess that doesn't get forgotten. But the Greeks enslaved everybody too. Not as bad as Rome, but also not as bad as Rome, I think just because they weren't as like widespread for as long a period of time. Not necessarily because they were, you know, in any way like kinder or more, you know, sympathetic than Rome. Not really. I think that if they had become a superpower... If they had just united and become a superpower, they they would have chosen probably been like Rome. Well, exactly. Like if Alexander maybe hadn't died when he did, and it, if his kingdom hadn't split up in the way that it did, they probably would have just been exactly as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess Alexander, he was the son of Zeus, according <laughs> to his mother. <laughs> but I think too, he was so focused on conquering and building empire than running it and Absolutely. he didn't think i don't think he thought that he was going to die <gasps> and, although people didn't live long as they did now but still yeah no but yeah 32 is young he definitely thought he was pretty invincible which is probably you know how he ended up dying at 32 if you live life like you're a god it's not going to go that well especially in ancient greece well, if your mother tells you that you're a god, <laughs> your father's a god, and then yeah, you go yeah. to the article in Egypt, and then they, the priestess lie to you and say that you're a god, <laughs> then you're going to think that you're a god. Yeah, he had so much evidence. <laughs> but this is what I figure happened to Caesar, too. Yeah. Because um, the family, was they say the family was the descendants of venus mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and that, that's interesting too and i i don't know enough about what the timeline is there because so much of that came after caesar as a way to deify him right like after he had died they were like he was the son of a goddess you know or not a son of a goddess but he was descended from venus aeneas is in our bloodline like yeah and but the trying the fall of city he's a black guy oh aeneas is that's great yeah, I feel like I should watch it just for all of that. I didn't really realize. I really, I got to the judgment of Paris and I was just kind of like, this is bad. <laughs> and then I didn't keep going, but it was more so, yeah, like about the dialogue and the, the. I think the it also just looked so much, and that was the only moment I can remember is the judgment of Paris, but it looked so much like it was filmed in the UK that I was like, this is distracting. <laughs> I read some part that they wanted to do like a sequel for either him or Odysseus. Yeah. But because it didn't work out um, financially, they didn't make big bucks. That's disappointing. I mean, but at the same time, the only sequel I really want for Odysseus would have been Sean Bean from Troy. What's his name? I'm not Odysseus. Um, oh, Aeneas. Yeah. Aeneas. Yeah. I think they could have just. They could have done a sequel. They could have done. That. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many bad movies and stuff that did sequel. They could have done a sequel. I guess. Yeah. They were disappointed they didn't get the response that they. Because we don't see much of him in pop culture. No, not at all. Yeah, there was so much um. Um, backlash against Zeus being a black guy so maybe that too did not really um, they didn't want to take it as take another risk yeah that's the thing right I mean so often Hollywood and pop culture are like even if they're not saying it out loud like they're trying to you know keep the ultimately racist white people very happy and that's why movies like Troy and Clash of the Titans are all very white and granted those are old movies now so but at the same time i don't see a lot of you know new ones getting it any better or getting it any more correct no they haven't and then you have the gods of egypt that was trash (laughs) at least that one was like dragged like i think they knew the mistake they'd made pretty quickly you know but but even still you know it didn't stop further movies but at least you know you can't just you can't just move, make a movie that explicitly is about egypt and then make everyone white like that's that's wild except that one black guy 
I can't believe I just had to look this up and I didn't realize it's Chadwick Boseman who plays Thoth in Gods of Egypt. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, may he rest. Oh, in. oh my God, like one of the most incredible people. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, he's the best. Oh, I miss him. Yeah. That just makes me want to talk about Black Panther, but that won't really fit. No, that, that's a great movie. <laughs> as for me, as a black um, woman, seeing all these black people from the, um, all these black actors, all these black people in one movie. And then it's not this typical stereotype of ghetto or, or, or sex or whatever, because the black women are, the movies that have come out of black people and won Oscars and all the wars, either it's a slavery movie, it's a slutty movie, or it's some stealing or something like that. But yeah, Black Panther was just and they portrayed a, a positive african black country so for me as a black person it was really i loved it yeah i can i can only imagine i mean i read a lot of things around that time and and yeah and what you're saying too about awards and things like i think i read a lot of people talking about it that the, the ones that win awards are about black pain in some kind of way yeah. or more often than not, it's about like white saviors of black pain. And it's like, oof, that's dark shit. Like, I mean, the fact that Chadwick Boseman didn't win an Oscar, a posthumous Oscar last year was a fucking travesty. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but even like, you know, uh, like, obviously I'm very white, um, but watching Black Panther, I could, I could only imagine how powerful it would be to see all of that. Because even as a white person watching it, I was like, this is important. Like, you're watching this and nothing about it it's not about them you know overcoming something that's not about pain it's just like a badass superhero movie featuring all black people where there's like one nice white guy and one bad white guy and then that's it mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like that's important you know yeah so then yeah. right watching greece and rome is just i feel like people who do that are just just racist and trashy people Yep. And I think a lot of it too, like, it, you know, like I was saying earlier too, a lot of people don't realize they're doing it. But if, you know, if things like that are pointed out to you where really it's like, nah, nah, like this idea that Greece and Rome invented everything, that they were better, that they were special, like has some inherent racism in it. You know, as long as once you learn that you kind of are actively <laughs> working against it, I think, you know, that's the key, right? Because you really do grow up just being told that and and you have to kind of look at it and be like wait no you know and i think that's the tough part because it is so ingrained in at least north american culture that you actually have to look for the truth yeah. and and find it yourself and then yeah and then you know and when it's done consciously like obviously yeah there's like a deep deep racism involved because it's just yeah when it's when it's conscious effort to you know the the, the use of greece and rome and their like iconography by white supremacy and stuff like that's very common and that'll you know that in itself is like get me out of here there's very much you know as somebody who has this platform in when it comes to greek mythology thankfully i don't deal with it a lot because i'm outwardly feminist and white supremacist also tends to be misogynist so they tend to avoid me from the beginning so i don't have to deal with a lot of that but i know a lot of people you know, when you're talking about Greece and Rome, like you're, you know, inherently trying to get rid of, of those people, make sure they're not, you know, on your platform and stuff and, and to sort of like keep, keep the, the racists out of the room. Yeah. But what I find so confusing, how people put, how people put Greece and Rome like the pillars, but yes, I understand that the Greeks and the Italians are migrating the U.S. and other mm -hmm, places mm -hmm. at the time were not the same as ancient Greece, but that is part of the culture. So, and whoever was saying that Greece and Roman does everything, Greece and Roman are white cultures, white Western civilization, and then you're saying to these people, "Oh, you can't come because you're not white at the time." Yeah, I mean, I think what it is, is that it's more so about, like, disconnecting ancient Greece and ancient Rome from modern Italy and modern Greece, you know? It's as if it's as if they want them to be two separate things, because one 
you can connect to this idea of like the foundation of Western civilization. And then the other are just like normal people, <laughs> you know? And so it's, yeah, it's an interesting thing when it comes to that, because, you know, it's also like, it's the, the, uh, what's the word I want? It's the architecture of these places that's often used, you know, it's like the U S and all the neoclassical, the neoclassical architecture that's like all over the Eastern U S from when they founded the country. Right. Like they were just making these weird, these connections. Cause it's, I think it's more so about Western civilization, which has then become, you know, a word like a buzzword for white supremacy, but originally was more about the West and inherent had inherent whiteness in it. But it is about, you know, the, the Northwest really being this, like the ideal kind of the founding everything. And then you use them for, to use them is not after a while. And you see that they probably align themselves with other people like their ancestors usually did <laughs> interacting with other people that were not Greek or Roman or white. Mm-hmm. You decide, oh, well, you're welcome to our club now. You're white. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it just becomes, you know, it becomes, it just has taken on a completely different meaning. All of it, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so it's also interesting. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much. Where can people find you? Is there anything you want to tell my listeners about or promote? Well, I have a Patreon where I write articles about mythology and um, religion, mental health, sexual assault, and history. And feminism is a lot of topics, and I even have some of my fiction there. So um, you can get, you can find, subscribe to my Patreon at um, Patreon Caribbean Feminist Scholar. I'm also on um, Instagram as Isle Theologian. And I'm also on Twitter under the same name, Isle Theologian. Um, I will put all those links in the episode description so everyone can click on everything there. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Ugh, nerds, thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm so thrilled to have spoken with Princess for this episode. It's so interesting hearing from someone who has a background in a different ancient historical time period, but still has all of this knowledge and passion for Greek myths too, and more knowledge of pop culture than me. Lots of me making claims about Troy, Fall of a City, and Gods of Egypt based entirely on random things I've heard, because sometimes I just do that. But it was so interesting getting to talk about those things and be reminded of that time in the wide realm of pop culture and classical reception in movies. (sighs) Thank you all. You're the best. I am Liv and I love this shit. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider.